Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from Newsstand Studios in Rockefeller Center. Here today with Nastasia the Hammer Lopez. How you doing, Stas? Good. We got John uh, up in Connecticut somewhere at a secret location in Connecticut. How you doing, John? Doing great, thanks. Yeah, yeah. We got uh, we got Joe over here. Joe Hazen in the booth. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah, doing well. And for the first time in a long time, we are coming to you live with a telephone number. So if you're uh, part of our Patreon, if you're not part of our Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash cooking issues or whatever uh, and sign up. Uh, was that wrong, John? Did I say the wrong thing? No, no, that's correct. That's correct. And call in your questions to 917-410-1507. That's 917-410-1507. Nice to have another number. Nastasi and I, Joe, we're a little slightly, I mean, like, look, I don't want to imply that we're at all disappointed with anything you do because you're great. However, the, all the ones and zeros, we can't spell anything. Oh you know gosh. what I'm saying? Can't spell anything. It's fine, though. It's fine. 917-410-1507. It'll take me about, how long will it take me to, to do that? How long did it take me in Heritage to remember that? A couple months. Oh, years. I had to write it on a piece of paper for years until people started, whatever. It's cool to have a 917 number. I know. Because we're, well, you're not, you never changed out of your California no. number. Yeah. You got like a Covina number. Thank you. <laughs> like, uh, you're like, I see that as a positive thing. Nice. Yeah. What, what is it with people never, is it that they don't want to get a new number ever? Because when I was a kid, i.e. like up until like, you know, you just kept changing your number constantly. Whenever you moved, it wasn't like a choice. Now everyone keeps a number, right? No one wants to change the number. Yeah. I don't think it matters anymore because of s- iPhones. You save the name. Yeah? Yeah. You ever bought a burner phone? I never have. I always wanted to no. have a burner phone and then crack it in half and throw it away. You ever done no. that? You, Joe? I never have one. No? No. All right. Well, Sorry. maybe maybe one. we should do more criminal activities that require us to have a uh, burner phone. So, uh, I'm just going to get this out now because I don't want this... Like, every week I have problems with the bike on the on the way up, with the city bike on the way up. So today, so for those it's of you... It's funny. It's the subway with Heritage and now it's the bike... Heritage, I took the bike. Or, okay, well. It's always transport, but I was here early. I was here early. I was here way early. I'm going to be on time, people. I'm going to be on time to this place. So, for those of you that don't know, in New York, we have these things called city bikes. And, you know, you you basically, you pay a monthly fee, you take it out, and you have to dock it. Whatever. They're terrible bikes, but they're they're very convenient. Uh, The problem is, is that like after everyone's coming back from COVID, especially because people are lazy. They don't take a bike during the winter, right? They only take a bike in the summertime uh, or when it's warm. It's impossible to get bikes now because no one wants to be back on the subways because they're still a little bit hinky-dinky about the subways. So the bikes are impossible to like get sometimes, impossible to park up here. So the bike that I had to get on the way up, get this, the kickstand was loose. So every time I pedaled, bop, 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 yeah. bop. So like... Like, a couple blocks in, I see another set of bikes. I'm like, uh, 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 I can deal with it. Bop, bop, bop. Halfway up, right? I was about to like, okay, I can't, I can't, I can't deal. I can't deal with this bike. I can't deal with this bike. So then I, I look over, and I start to pull over where the bike is. And then right there, there's, like a, like, a car, like a black car with, like, the red lights in the back. Like, it's, like, some sort of, like, police style thing. And then there's a guy standing next to the bike lane with one of those, like, those special forces beards and those like thousand all in black with a rifle on his back. I'm like, I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna swap my bike here. It's not like he's gonna come after you. Look, anytime you have a guy with a special forces beard and that look on his face and a rifle on his back all in black, it's just not a good place to stop and hang out. Joe, you with me on this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, John, you'd agree with that, right? You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, don't hang around. It's not not cool. Anyway, so, and then, like, the next time I saw space, I was within 10 blocks. I was like, well, now I got to do it. Now I got to go the whole way. You know what I mean? And then, of course, you can't park up here. But I was thinking about it, repetitive noise, like, repetitive noise torture kind of things. And I, I was thinking, like, does this happen to you? Do you ever notice on on your iPhone, you you play a song and you think you've told it to play the whole album, but it plays the same song over and over again. But like you're in a shop, like cutting lots of wood and you have like you or you have gloves on or you're like outside or you're doing and you can't just pick up your phone and be like, stop, stop, stop. And so you listen to the same song for like an hour. No, this happens to me all the time, all the time. I'll have to listen to the same song for about an hour. The last two times was Al Green. I feel good. Great song. Not for an hour, but great song. And uh, uh, share strong enough. Hour. An hour of share strong enough. Anyway. There's not like one minute of free time in that whole hour where you could just go onto your phone and change it? Well, I also have a, like a little bit of a mental issue. I mean, we know this. But I mean like specifically a mental issue where I don't like turning a song off in the middle. That's like why like when I'm in a car, like if I only hear like two seconds of it, I'm fine. But I hate I hate like rapid channel surfers. I hate. I do that. Rap. I know. That's why one of the reasons I don't like being with you on car trips or like rapid moving around on, on the radio. It's like once I'm listening to a song, I want to hear the whole song. Like that's it. So like I need to have my hands free at the moment that the song stops because I don't want to like, I, I'm not going to cut it off in the middle of, you know, Cher telling me that, you know, you know, that, uh, you know, that she's not, you know, ha- you know, not worth half of her. It's true. She's telling you. I can't cut her off in the middle of that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I need to have my hands free at the moment that the song stops. I need to get over this. I really it's also the same, like I don't I can't like watch like part of a movie. I don't like to do it. Jen Jen's like, yeah, we should go to bed and watch it later. I'm like, yeah, I'll watch it all now. Like I'm getting better with that because but anyway. Uh so what song if you had to ha- don't think about it. I don't want you to think too long. Stas, if you had to listen to a song for an hour in a row, what would it be? No, oh, uh ten years gone. By Led Zeppelin. Really? Mm-hmm. Joe, what about you? I'm not sure. Um, Suede Head by Morrissey. Oh, Morrissey. Huh, Morrissey. Huh. I just heard something about someone that really hated... Oh, um, you ever heard of the group uh, Warlock Pinchers? No. Out of Denver? Great the, name. Yeah, they have a the, their, their best album name i don't think they were a good band but maybe they are but their best album name was uh circusized peanuts circusized peanuts yeah but they had a, an album that where the album, album why do you always say album i don't know why do i say nuclear and coupon uh the uh they had a uh it, like an anti-morrissey album title maybe someone could look it up for me uh i don't think it's safe for work title but uh anyway john what about you what song do you have i'm giving you the most time to think about it so you better have a fast and good answer my friend yeah no i've already listened to this song for an hour when this album came out it's i don't know if you guys have ever heard of the band Wolfpeck. v-u-l-f-p-e-c-k they're really another really great but i listened to animal spirits in a long car ride just for an hour straight wow uh no what kind of music is Wolfpeck? like yeah there's some there's some guys from michigan so i don't really get the name but i don't know they do like if you look them up on itunes they come up as like german hip-hop even though i don't think any of them are german or have a german bone in their body um but it's i don't know very like contemporary kind of funk it's i don't know it's it's really enjoyable i'd recommend it oh one last thing on repetitive so when i graduated from college the 
first thing I, one of the first things I did was I bought my first car on my own, $400, Pontiac, 1976 Pontiac Bonneville. A lot of work in the quarter panels, a lot of rust, $400. I could lay down in the trunk, head to toe, no problem, like three cigarette lighters, all velour on the inside, blue, nice. Uh, so I spent that, that first summer, you know, uh, cleaning that up and deep fat frying uh, habanero chili rellenos while I was training myself for extreme heat stuff and just basically frying, watching Regis uh, and Kathy Lee and all the ABC soap operas and Oprah and fixing the car. With that car, uh, so for those of you that, you know, are my age, we used to have cassettes and we would, rec- like, one person would buy the music and then we would tape the, we would put all the music on cassettes and they would have long cassettes, 90 minute cassettes. And we had these things called auto reverse tape players. So you would stick it in and it would just, you'd hear it go click, click. And it would play the other side of the tape and it would go back and forth, back and forth. So my friend recorded star time, which is uh, James Brown's four original four box set CD that came out in, I think 1990 or something like this. And uh, the last couple of discs he put on a tape, and it got jammed in my car. So my car radio was always on and only ever played the last disc of Star Time for, like, three years. So, like, that car was the James Brown mobile. And eventually, when it needed a new paint job, I just bought a bunch of gold Krylon and gold and spray-painted the entire car gold. And at one point, I had uh, zip-tied a uh, cow skull to the front of it. We were driving around with a cow skull. You know how that thing died, Stas? Yeah, I- do but i don't remember okay well first i'll let you know this the night i got engaged it was snowing it had snowed uh and i pulled the car into a snowbank because i'm like i don't care about the car so i pulled it into a snowbank the exhaust pipe goes into the back of a snowbank builds up pressure boom blows the muffler off so like i'm driving to the dinner very fancy dinner where i'm going to get engaged with you know what i mean and i get pulled over of course while i'm getting engaged nightmare but eventually so i kept on tying the muffler back up and at one point the muffler fell down again and hit the pavement while I was driving and pretzeled itself, turned itself. And then I tied it up and had Jen hold the muffler in the air from the passenger side as we were driving. And she's like, that's it. It's over. This car's done. We're done with this. It's over. I was like. Didn't she have to pay for her engagement dinner too? No. No. Oh. the hell is that? I remember something about you having to have her pay. No. Because you. No, no, no. What happened was this. On- no, no, no. What happened was, is prior to the engagement, we, you know, obviously we, you know, we weren't married, so we had different bank accounts. We were living together, and so, you know, we would go, like, I would pay for something, she would pay for something, I would pay for something, she would pay for something. When I bought the ring, that was all my money. So I didn't have any money, but I had this ring burning a hole in my pocket for, like, a month and a half. Why'd you wait so long? Because I knew the day that I was going to propose. Mm. You have to buy the ring when you buy the ring. This is not crap you have to worry about. This is what happens. So anyway, so like I had this time where like I had a, I, I, you know, I had this no money. And so Jen was like, why don't you have any money? What's wrong with you? What do you, did you spend your money? I'm like, no, no. So like for a while, like beforehand and then afterwards, she's like, oh, now I see why you had no money. That's what it was. That's what you're thinking of. But no. I like how you turned it into a negative thing. No, I just remember. I, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. I like how it just for some reason, like me trying to do something positive becomes a even that becomes a negative thing. Uh, all right. Question for people who uh, are on our Patreon can hear this. I like having shortcut things at home and I don't feel bad about it. Here's some things I don't feel bad about. I don't feel bad about using bullion cubes. You feel bad about using? No. Bull- no. Right. I don't feel bad about using bullion cubes. If I was serving you a soup. And it was like a bouillon, I would feel bad about it. Right, John? You with me on this? 
Yeah, agreed. Right. But yeah. if, if it's just like a base for something else, like I'm going to be cooking a whole bunch of like uh, beef uh, into a chili anyway, and I could use water or I could use a bouillon cube to start it. Like it's like it's like salt plus plus. Am I wrong about this? No, no, definitely right. All right, how about this? Here's ones that I also, even though I know how to make it, I'm not, I'm not opposed to getting taco spice. No, me neither. It's great. Yeah, taco spice is good, right? John, thoughts? Agreed. Yeah, taco spice is delicious. Yeah, pre-made curry powder. You do not need to feel bad about not making your own curry powder because curry powder is good, right? Now, like especially yeah, if you get a good one. Especially if you get a good one. I'm going to go even one further. You can buy ranch powder, which, by the way, ranch is easy enough to make on your own, but ranch powder is very convenient for putting on things like french fries and chips. Yes. And popcorn. Ranch powder, good. I am going to go out and say that, like, like, no one should feel bad. No one should feel bad about, about using those things. Anyway. Uh, but if you guys disagree and feel that you have to make your own freaking ranch powder every time you want to. Hey, Nastasi and I had to do this for a living and it sucks. Like back when we were doing snack foods, remember this? And we would have to make all of our own flavoring powders from scratch. You know how expensive that is to go buy all the different powders so that you can like mix them into the one powder? Is it marginally better? Can you tailor it to your own taste? Yes, but come on, man. Right, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, come on, man. Come on. Uh, all right. Now. We got some questions in. Uh, no callers yet, so I don't know what that I don't know what that means. Maybe if people don't have any questions, they don't know how to call in. Remember, it's 917-410-1507. And we're still working on this, so we're hoping that we're hoping that it works out. We hope someone calls in, I think. Nastasia herself is going to answer the call. And drop it. Wow. <laughs> call it and drop it? Yes. Drop it like it's a, Oh, Nastasia, because the, the hammer has the button. I know, and you're gonna go ballistic if I'm I not, drop geez, it. This is all, well, I'm all always right. a bad guy. Okay. I'm always a bad uh, guy, Joe. See. I don't know if, like this is a theme that Joe you probably already honed in Joe on. I'm John. always a bad guy. Joe and John, when I drop the call, Joe and John, superstars. Dave's not gonna go ballistic. All right. Uh, can you, if you do it, can you do the Booker goodbye? No, I'm just gonna drop it. You're not gonna say goodbye. Mm-mm. If they start on the second question, drop. Are you hear that, people? So if you call in. Make your first question good. And if there's a follow-up to the first question, drop. Are you going to wait for them to say follow-up so you can have the pleasure no, of dropping I, after I they said that, follow-up? Uh, I'm going to drop. So you are kind of like Booker, where like as though the Happy Birthday song was singing. Yeah. Yeah. So Booker used to practice listening for the beginnings of the Happy Birthday song and then, you know, mime spraying you in the face with pepper spray. And he kept on asking for his birthday for pepper spray so that he could pepper spray anyone that tried to sing the happy birthday song to him because he hates the happy birthday song so much. And we're like, Booker, you can't, you're not allowed to, first of all, no one's going to sing the happy birthday song around you because they realize that you can't tolerate it. And secondly, like, even if they did, like, pepper spray is not a proportional response to the birthday song. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you have the same kind of reaction. They're like, and eat. Yeah. yeah. I feel like if you don't say a goodbye or there's not some sort of like that, well, whatever. It's up to you. It's your thing. Josh Seberg wrote in via Instagram. Do you also hate via or do you like via? Don't care. But you don't like the way I say, uh, what was the word? Album. There's no L in it. There's an L in album. There's one. Album. Yes. Album. Album. And by the way, I know I've said this before. I'm very freaking pro-album. It's one of the things that I, I hate to see go. I don't think people listen to albums anymore. I really don't. It's sad. Uh, Nastasia does, disagrees with me when I say this, but uh, back when I used to have to pay fourteen ninety five for an album, 
like I bought it for one song, but it was never ended up being my favorite song. My favorite song was always a different one. And I don't know that that would happen nowadays. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, anyways. Uh, okay. Here's another question. Congrats on the new digs, by the way. Your breakfast got me thinking. Well, what do you have for breakfast, John? Oh, boy. Uh, this morning I had a sausage, egg, and cheese, but... Sausage, egg, and cheese, shepherd boy. Right? Whenever anyone says sausage, egg, and cheese, I have to sing Little Shepherd Boy. Sorry, go ahead. Sausage, egg, and cheese. From where? Uh, co- coffee Market in East Lyme. Coffee Market. Okay. 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 I don't know. You've, you've traveled in Lyme, so I don't know if you knew it. How, how was uh, it? Pretty good. Pretty good. Mm. Yeah, solid place. Yeah. S- sad or rad? Did you just say sad place? Did you say it was great? No, no, it's, it's a good place. It's oh, a no, solid, no. Oh, solid, 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 solid. Place. That's all you had? Uh, yeah. I'll tell you something. Yeah, this morning was a little boring. I'll tell you something. I love sausage patties. I love sausage patties, and I never make them. Do you make those things, Stas, back when you, you know, do that stuff? No. You, you like a sausage patty? I do, then? I do. I love a sausage patty. I've had someone staying with me, and they make me breakfast every morning. In a good and way or a bad way? Amazing. Like, give me give me the breakfast. Oh my god. Like, Yesterday when you saw me on the thing, I had they made French toast with a persimmon and passion fruit compote on top. Oh. And, and uh a salad with avocado on the side and then bacon. Mm. Amazing. Wow. Every morning good. it's like that. Wow. I know. Wow. I know. Is this here in New York or in Stanford? Both. Wow. They follow me and make me breakfast. Well, and you're like hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are, you, are you familiar with the uh, Are you familiar with the House Guest Olympics? No. So when you have, and you should have done this back, you know, especially because you, you know, you always for some reason have someone staying, mm-hmm. no matter how small your uh, apartment is. Oh, we have a call. Is. Oh, all right. Let's call, try this. Let's try this. Caller. Wait. What? Yeah. Caller, you're on the air. Hmm. Hello. Hey. Yeah. You are our first caller Hi. in a year and a half. Congrats. Oh What's going oh, wow. on? Yeah, yeah. What's up? Yeah. Um, so I had a, a, a question. So I'm, I'm looking through uh, Modernist Bread, and they have a recipe for pressure-cooked uh, potato broth sourdough. Okay. And uh, I'm wondering, so part of it calls for juicing a potato, then putting it into a centrifuge for an hour. And I'm wondering if that could be done in the spinzol. Um, so the, the centrifuge, I don't know what they're trying to do. Do they get all the starch out of it? Uh, let's see. So they peel the potatoes, cover them in cold water. But I mean, what does uh, it what does it look like? So in other words, if it's clear, the answer is no. Those guys, like uh, both you know Chris Chris Young and those guys at Chef Steps, and also like Mirvold and Magoya and all those guys, they use super speed centrifuges, which get up to like uh, like thirty forty thousand G's. And so all of the recipes for the spinzol are designed around what would have been like a, a 10,000, 8,000, 10,000 G benchtop unit. Even though it doesn't do that many Gs, mm-hmm. it's designed to get the same results as those. But um, none of the kind of regular benchtop non-super speed guys that, you know, we would use, it, it, you know, the, the lab kind, the bucket kind, none of those do a high enough uh, G force to get starch out. So if they're trying to spin the starch down out of it, right, then it's not gonna it's not gonna do it. So if you look, if they have pictures and you look at it, and the and the liquid is clear, then they've gotten the starch out, and then that we can't do. But if you um, lightly lightly cook it, like not enough to um, like cause the starch to like swell too much. 
but enough to wipe out the enzymes, um, or if you add something just to knock out the enzymes, then uh, you can let it settle. And it, it'll settle, but it's going to take you like a, like a couple of days. Anyway, go ahead. So was it clear oh, okay. or not? Um, I don't think it's clear. It says uh, centrifuge juice one hour at 10,000 RPM. So it looks like that should be something that Spinzol can do, right? 10,000 RPM? And then they, uh, yeah. I think- they shouldn't give an RPM for it. They should give a number of Gs. But go, go ahead. What's the purpose of centrifugation? What are they trying to do? Uh, looks like they, they take it, uh, then they put it in like a pressure cooker, and they pressure cook the potato broth, and they use that as the liquid base for the sourdough. But what are they, are they taking the liquid or the solids from the centrifuge? Uh, just liquid. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can get some of it, but you might not get all of it. Give it a shot. Let me know. Okay, what? sure. Nastasia's going to kill Thank you right you, now. Bye. Right. Oh, wow. Nastasia. Uh, did see, I thought the pie was nice. Yeah. I thought the pie was nice. Um, all right. Josh, back to your question. It's good to get calls again. It's nice. What do you mm-hmm. think, Stas? Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Nastasia loves controlling. John was when John's in the studio. The thought was that John was going to control it because that's what the thought was. But I think Nastasia likes this as her role. I think she's relishing it. She's if got. You want me to pay attention? This is a good way. Uh, or you said just you know the fact that we're doing it isn't enough to pay attention. No. All right. All right. So back to Josh Sheberg. Uh, John's breakfast, John's like love of donuts for breakfast, got Josh thinking. Uh, he lives in southeast Virginia, a, a place where they grow superior strawberries. Did you know that? Do you know yeah. anything about Virginia strawberries? Mm-hmm. How about you, Joe? You know anything about Virginia strawberries? No? Joe, no. He's, he's busy. He's real busy today. I shouldn't pester him. What about you, John? You heard anything about Virginia strawberries? I have not, no. This was the first time hearing about them. Me too. I don't know what is it about Virginia that makes good strawberries. I know Nastasia and I had some of the best strawberries I've ever had in, uh, from the Santa Mar- Monica Farmer's Market. Those things were ridiculous. No offense to us up here, but they make our – I like our green market strawberries up here fine, but pff, no comparison, no right? No comparison. No comparison. Like you walk you walk near – you know how what we, something we do really well here, Concord Grapes. When you go to the the farmer's market, right, Stas? Mm-hmm. Like during Concord grape season, first of all, freaking yellow jackets everywhere. Bees everywhere, right? You you get at least one in your bag. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so like at the bar, I would bring sacks of them in and people would start cutting open the bags. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you allergic? Yeah. Because yeah, like they're like, what do you mean allergic? Ah, bees everywhere. Booker would hate it. Anyway, but the smell of the Concord grapes throughout the entire farmer's market is like huge win. Mm-hmm. And the strawberries that this, you remember the name of the place in, in Santa Monica? Uh, so like that place has these super aromatic strawberries where if you're anywhere near that strawberry stand, you're just like, oh, strawberries. So I'm interested to know what a Virginia strawberry is like. I heard Virginia was for lovers. They still have that as their freaking thing? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why lovers? I don't know. Okay. Uh, what would the what what would be the way to make the all-time best Duncan inspired strawberry frosted donut? Ugh. Picking up 12 quarts of berries tomorrow. Now, John, you with me? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm here. So the strawberry frosted is a yeast donut, right? Yes. Okay. So you are in luck. Uh, Josh, because yeast donuts are by far easier to make than cake donuts. So, like, 
you get yeast donut, all you got to do is make a decent yeast dough. And when you fry it, the dough skins over. And so you don't have to worry about it just dissolving into your, into your oil, which is a problem if you mess up the cake recipe. And you don't have to worry too much about grease getting into your uh, donut, right? I mean, it's going to get a little bit greasy, but you don't have to worry about it nearly as much as with a cake donut. So get yourself a decent yeast donut recipe. And Wiley, by the way, even though he makes yeast donuts now, is a big cake guy because he likes the challenge of cake donuts. Cake donuts are just far more challenging to, to do right, which is why 99.9% of people who make cake donuts use a mix. That's just letting you know. Uh, in fact, there's a company called Belshaw, the Belshaw Donut uh, Depositing Company. They also make the donut robots. And um, years and years ago, like 15 years ago, uh, maybe even longer, 18 years ago, when I first uh, contacted them to get what's called a donut depositor, uh, I got one, and I asked them for the recipe that they said was good, cake recipe that was good with their donut depositor. And they're like, I don't know. We don't make a recipe. We don't have recipes. We use a mix. I was like, there's no one. You're the company that makes all of the freaking donut depositors, and you don't have a single from scratch recipe for freaking donuts. And they literally found a guy who was, I swear to God, in the basement. And that guy had an old recipe that he, like, emailed me that was like, you know that old type font that's been mimeographed a billion times, Nastasia, that's, like, purple and stuff? That. That's what they sent me. Uh, anyways, so go yeast. Uh, a little thing you might want to think about is uh, on the glaze, popping it with a little bit of acidity. That's one of the things Wiley does is he adds some acid to the glaze to make it uh, a little acidic. But, uh, John, you got any other? Uh, I'd, for, if I were you, I would just make donuts with like kind of like an oak, like a decent strawberry kind of thing, and then uh, and then just eat those damn strawberries. That's what I was gonna say, but I thought you were gonna be. I mean, strawberries are so good. <laughs> like, uh, like to me, like I take a like a, an okay strawberry and process also, it. Also, Dunkin' or whatever. What? Uh, well, the Dunkin' Donuts donuts are really good. Yeah, don't so, hate on the strawberry donut. No, no, they're really great. So, yeah. All right, listen. Let's just have this out yeah, now because so this is gonna come over again and again. Like Nastasia, like. I don't think you appreciate this aspect of it. And let's, let's talk about this for real and for serious. Okay. Um, a lot of things, people want to be able to do it once or twice mm -hmm. so that they can appreciate all of the variables involved. They don't need to do it for their whole life, but it like they learn more and they appreciate the things that other people make when they have gone through the process of figuring out how to make something themselves what the problems are, how to approach it, and to do that. So it's not like they think that they're going to necessarily even do a better job in X, Y, or Z, but... I, I guess I, I feel like that it, what you just said is what I imagine people are trying to do, not what you're trying to say that people are... What the... What? I think when people ask these questions, they're trying to make a better X, Y, or Z, and... You're saying they're just doing it for the learning process. Well, I'm saying I think that they want to do the best job they can. They want to try to control the variables as best as they can. And mm -hmm. there are things where there are things where you can do a better job at home than you can do on an industrial scale just because they have like to make what? certain cost-cutting things. Many things. When was the last time you had the best burger at a fast food restaurant? Well, well, yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is there's a lot of things where there's cost-cutting involved in, like, most cakes that you buy are garbage. Because they use garbage ingredients because mm -hmm. they're cheap. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, there's a lot of things where, you know, because of cost-cutting measures, you can do a better job at home than you can do bide, right? Like, stews in a can. You can do a better job at home. You know what I mean? 
and, and there are things where it's like the people with the professional equipment have an edge on you. Have you, have you seen Daddy's Home with uh, Mark Wahlberg and uh, Will Ferrell? No. So uh, one of the running gags in it is is that uh, Mark Wahlberg uh, is constantly going into the oven and pulling out cinnamon buns that look just like and smell like Cinnabons. And Will Ferrell's like, you can't make them. You can't make Cinnabons. You need a special oven. And then at the end, Mark Wahlberg admits that he's been buying Cinnabons and taking them out of the oven. And he's like, you can't make Cinnabons. They have a special oven. I happen to not really like Cinnabons because they're just so intensely sweet. They're just so incredibly sweet. Did I tell you about the time that I had to drive an hour and a half to get Dax a Cinnabon because he wanted to try and we never had him? And he's like, oh my God, this is sweet. You know what I mean? Even a kid. They're good. I'm, whatever. I'm not saying anything negative about the Cinnabon Corporation. But uh, what I'm saying is that there are things where, like waffles, like making like the best waffle, like the waffle irons are really good. Like commercial fryers are very good. Uh, so it's like, it's like potato chips. Commercial potato chip lines are very good. It's hard to make a, as good a potato chip as a commercial processor can. But doing it once, twice, three times or learning what the variables are, I think, A, is <gasps> fun. And can help you appreciate other people's work. Answer. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hey, everybody. Uh, congrats on the new setup. Thanks. This is uh, Josh from North Dakota. Ooh, how you doing? How you doing? What do you? Uh, wait, wait. First of all, are you allowed to hunt this time of year, or no? There's no hunting in the summertime, right? Uh, turkey season just got over, but there's uh there's always something you can hunt, but. Now, uh, right now, most people are fishing and stuff. You have turkeys in North Dakota? Oh, yeah. Now, turkey... Now, let, let, let me get this straight here, because this is something I never understood. We, like, oh, I, you know, here in the New York area, we have turkeys. You see them all the time, like wild turkeys, like on the sides of parkways and, and whatnot. But these suckers, they sleep in trees? How come I've never seen a turkey in a tree? Yeah, usually uh, before dark, they always head to their trees and roost and then in the morning they come down and that's when you're ready to hunt them but have you ever seen a turkey in a tree oh yeah yeah i mean i feel like you would notice this i've seen like eagles in trees i've seen owls in trees i've seen but i you think if you look up i mean turkey's a big thing you think you'd notice it in a tree they must be i hear they're a lot smarter than we give them credit for too right aren't they hard to sneak up on yeah they can be really hard to hunt depending on where you're at or lots of times you'll get ones around here that are just going into like feed lots on farms and feeding there and those can be pretty easy but yeah if you get the ones out in the wild they're actually pretty hard and it's hard to say if they're smart or if it's just they're really random mm. But, mm. yeah because you know good vision though they got really good vision because turkeys you know the turkeys when I was growing up, everyone said that the turkeys that they would grow, you know, raise for farms were, like, renowned for being stupid. And then when I started reading, like, you know, hunters' accounts of them, they're like, no, they're not, they're not as stupid as everyone makes them out. When I was a kid, you ever hear the old thing, Stas, where they say that turkeys are so stupid that when it rains, they look up in the sky and drown? Mm-hmm. That, was a, you know, that was a thing they used to tell us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry to uh, – go ahead. You had, a, you had a question. How you doing? Yeah, good. Uh I was gifted a bunch of paddlefish eggs recently, mm. like three pounds of them. And I don't know good caviar at all, but I figured I heard that paddlefish eggs are like second best next to sturgeon. So I figured I'd make some caviar, but it turned into a complete disaster. Well, what happened? Did you mean you, what, during the salting process, it turned into a disaster? They broke? 
just trying to separate the eggs from like the egg sack. And I tried a few techniques. I tried using like a drying rack to kind of scrape them off or then just my hands with water and they were just falling apart like mush. And I, I'm thinking they were just too old. I don't know exactly how properly they were taken care of from the fish. I think they were like in the refrigerator for five days, I think, by the time I got uh, them. So. How big are the egg sacs on those things? Large. And like all the eggs were connected, it seemed like. It wasn't like other fish I've seen where you like open up the egg sacs and they kind of fall out. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, like, um, I've never. You know, like here, like the the egg sacs that you get. I mean, we like here in this. I don't really only have experience with uh, shad. You know, so and those eggs are, of course, are like super tiny. You know what I mean? And in terms of dealing with the whole with the whole egg sac, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was old. John, have you ever had to try to cure caviar at all? No, I haven't. I know Jeremy Romanski has done that a lot at the larder, and he has some posts about it on Instagram. Maybe we can uh, get him to call in and uh, give us uh, give us his technique and maybe specifically address this this mushiness problem. Were they previously frozen, Josh? No, I don't think so. I couldn't hear John. Oh uh, yeah, on the phone, sorry. Yeah, but... you can. So uh, he said that uh, uh, Jeremy Umansky has uh, done some uh, curing at Larder, uh, and he's done a couple of Instagram posts on it. And then I was saying maybe we can get him. Uh, Maybe we can get him on to answer your answer your question. Um, okay, but I mean, I wonder whether you know, pre-salting it would help. Some. You know, you think salting it yeah, beforehand I did would help? Some and I salt three percent, salted them and let mix, let them sit for a while, and then drained it. And the flavor was fine, but they just didn't really have any like texture at all. They were just kind of soft, and I don't know. I didn't find anything too special about them anyway. But. Mm. All right. Well, well, John's writing down that we're going to find uh, an expert, whether it's Jeremy or someone else, and we're going to get to the we're going to get to the root of the problem, whether there's a trick that we don't know about, or whether or not uh, it's uh, you know something with the actual fish. I know that in the real life they add additives to firm them up, like borax and stuff. But I mean, obviously, you, you don't want to do that. They don't do that anymore, right? You don't let that they don't do that anymore, do they? I have no idea. Anyway, um, anyway, we'll check into it. Thank you. Bye. Oh man. Even even people who sent whoa wow. <laughs> By the way, that Josh, the reason he's the one who sent the pronghorn and the doves and all that stuff. Cool. So you know, very very important. Uh, I important didn't get listener. any of it. So well, I goodbye. asked you, and you're like, say, and you <laughs> said, no, I'm not. What am I going to cook? I'm by myself. I'm by myself. What am I going to cook? That's what you said. Now that you have someone cooking for you every day, now you probably want the stuff. It's true. Yeah. Persimmon compote, huh? Unexpected. I wouldn't have eaten it. You don't like persimmons? No, not really. Were they like, were they, it, it, give me the, were they par dried or were they just like persimmon flesh in sugar, like cooked? Lightly? I didn't even ask. Well, you looked at it, you ate it. They were, they were, mush, they were like a compote. They were juicy. Okay. So like fresh. Yeah. Per, okay. Fresh. Yeah. Okay. But not astringent at all. Nope. Okay. Um, I've never had a uh, like an American like native persimmon. I've only ever had the commercial ones, the wild persimmons. I hear they're fantastic. You know what else I've never had? Pawpaw. Yeah. Never had a pawpaw. I was gonna say I haven't had that either, and I'd really like to try it. Yeah. If any of you guys, oh, you know what I had uh, shipped to me? Uh, a bunch of real expensive shelled hickory nuts. Man. Shelled hickory nuts. Oh, Stas is looking at someone who uh, was in the full like like. like 
Cruella. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All white, super high heels, maybe super trying to keep high heels. her, but like her, her heels were like maybe like up to my knees and the dre- the, the, <laughs> the coat, coat still hit the ground. Yeah, beautiful. basically. Yeah. The new Disney movie that's premiering on mm-hmm. Friday. Well, maybe this literally was Cruella DeVille. Maybe I'll see a bunch of dead Dalmatians. Uh, did she ever kill the Dalmatians or did she not get a chance to? I don't know. No. I don't know. Probably not. No one uses Dalmatian for why would she want to kill the Dalmatians? I mean, it's just nonsensical. It's yet another nonsensical thing. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, Alex Godin wrote in, hey, Dave, congrats on the new studio. I'm wondering if you had any issues with your liquid bread caps cracking. Uh, liquid bread is the carbonation caps. It was never an issue uh, in the past, but the last three or four I bought have cracked big time and developed leaks. They still work, but it's messy. Do you have an alternative you recommend? Now you can go metal. Uh, I've had that happen. So when you're going off on, off on, off on, try not to like angle it. We had uh, uh, a bartender, uh, Kendra, who we used to call the Incredible Hulk because she could she could crack a cap like nobody's business. I, I had never had it happen before either, but they would they would happen occasionally. We we moved to metal, but the problem with metal is they have a gasket on the inside. So just be a little bit gentle when you're taking the thing uh, off and on. Uh, you know, just you know, try only straight up and down. Try not to do any sort of like uh, what's this rocking motion as mm-hmm. you go off and on. All right, is that mm-hmm. fine? Great. Yeah. yeah, great. From Johnny via Instagram. Uh, hey Dave, I'll be brief. Uh, I consider liquid intelligence as a Bible. Very nice, very nice. Uh, I'm trying to emulate your vision and approach uh, using uh, every ingredient in, di- in uh, different ways, um, analyzing it and playing with uh, all the shades of its properties. In 10 days, I have to send a concept for the Patron competition. Patron, do they pay the rappers to put all the rappers into the Patron thing, or do people just like, do rappers just like, it just ends up in a lot of rap songs? I what? think it just ends up. Sends up in a lot of rap songs. All right. Uh, Patron competition. I have an idea, but there's a wall between me and the realization, and that's the color of coffee. I want the same texture, notes, and properties and feelings of a cup of Italian Italian espresso, but clear. Uh, So, like, you know, water-looking but powerful espresso. I need it to be clear for the color of the final drink, but no idea where to start. Can you help? Thanks a lot. You have chosen, Johnny, I'm sorry to say... An impossible problem. I have tried to make clear coffee uh, through distillation. I have tried to make uh, it. Just really has never been done. You can, you can't. It's like if you, even if you distill coffee, like coffee without the bitterness is just not. It's just not coffee, right? Espres- especially like espresso. Like you can texture it up by putting uh, things into it, but. Espresso is an emulsion, so it's got oils in it, and that's going to make – even if you just emulsify a different oil in, it's going to get you know cloudy. You could buy some of the acids that you have in espresso, but you're never going to get kind of those those bitter notes. I would say as much as you probably don't want to do it, there's got to be someone – does anyone make a clear coffee-flavored liqueur? I don't know. I mean most of the coffee-flavored liqueurs I know aren't clear, but flavor houses do this, right, on a professional level. But there's no actual natural way that I know of to make coffee clear. That I mean, I just don't have a good answer. Is that, is that all right? It's fine. Yeah. Uh, clear Pepsi. Clear Pepsi. Clear Pe- do they still make that stuff? I don't think so, but it's kind of the same idea that we're looking to do, right? Well, except for like Pepsi's all made with like caramel compounds anyway, and they add caramel color to it. Yeah, coffee. Like you make coffee. The problem is, is that any separation that gets rid of the color in coffee is also going to get rid of getting rid of all the color. I'm saying, make it clear. 
is going to get rid of probably the bitter components, the stuff that make it characteristically coffee. And the, the tannins the, of coffee? Yeah. Well, yeah, all of the all of the like the, the burnt plant compounds. That's what it is. You know what I mean? And so it's like it's hard. John, have you ever had a good clear coffee thing? No, I don't no. I don't think I've ever even had any clear coffee thing. I mean cold brew can be limpid, i.e. you can see through it, but uh but it it, it still is brown and not, you know. You should just get a flavor thing do they make that probably yeah, you're uh the problem is is in in a competition like that you need to have a good story for the ingredient why are we doing these ones first i didn't see the way it was done it didn't go that way <laughs> that was the okay all right all right all right jordan bunting wrote in can people with the video access see nastasia's vegan face yeah there yeah. she is there i am yeah uh, she's hiding behind sunglasses and some sort of camp hat, and she tries to inch off the screen so that you can't see her, even though the whole point is that you can see her, even though that's what you're paying for. But yes, you will occasionally catch, like, some of the vegan face and the relish. If you want to see Nastasia being really happy, look to the parts where she's hanging up on the collars, and then you can see what Nastasia looks like when she's super stoked. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. Tyler Chambers wrote in, uh, have you explored using a pressure cooker or the uh, simpleton civilian type, the Instapot, for concocting cocktail syrups, infusions, and ingredients. Uh, I thought I had a good idea for a quick lime cordial, but the first round came out tasting cooked. Though it was indeed cooked, I was hoping to avoid that flavor. Is there uh, such a thing as a pressure cooker that does not use heat? Uh, I know I could use an Easy Whipper, but I want to do larger batches and ultimately a delicately cooked citrus stock. Well, okay, so there's a couple of things here. When you heat cordial, the reason to heat cordial is to give it a little bit of a cooked flavor because that's the flavor that's stable. Now, you don't need to pressure cook it. In fact, just bringing it up to a simmer is all you need to do, and you don't need to simmer it for that long. So I would try just doing that. That's like standard cordial, and that's the only way to get a stable flavor. If you want to get – if what you mean is is that you want to get the peel flavor into uh, the thing and have it be fresh – Here's what you do. You peel the citrus uh, the day before. You take the citrus peels. Make sure that you don't let the citrus dry out after you peel it because that's what's going to happen. But anyway, then you you smash up the peels with uh, sugar and you make what's called an oleo. Then you wash that oleo with the fresh juice, which you can clarify if you want. And then that's going to give you a lot of the peel notes as well as the uh, citrus notes. And you have to titrate exactly how much of the peel you you want in there. That's going to be fresh, but it's not going to last. If you want it to last, you got to bring it up to the simmer. And when you bring it up to the simmer, it's going to taste somewhat cooked. But I definitely wouldn't pressure cook it because in a pressure cooker, uh, it's going to go from being like, you know, citrus color to being extremely brown because you've elevated the temperature even, you know, that extra amount above boiling. Is that a good answer? Yeah. Also, Jack, who's running the chat room right now, says that Sargon found uh, a clear coffee liqueur. It's RollingRiverSpirits.com. Rolling River Spirits? Go there. Yeah. Moon River Rock. I don't go. know if you can use someone else's spirits, but thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh James McCulloch wrote in, Hi, I'd love to suggest a new mini-segment, Classic Weeknight me- uh, Weeknight Meals. So it's like, Classic Weeknight Meals. Well, weeknight. I can't say Weeknight. Why am I saying Weeknight? Classic Weeknight Meals here. Like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. A- a- uh, to the tune of Classics in the Field, which is, I'm used to saying. We're going to bring classics, by the way. John, when are we getting uh, Matt from Kitchen Arts and Letters back on? 
I believe it's June 15th. All right, so remember, for June 15th, people, get ready to uh, ask all of your classics in the field questions because we're going to have the in the studio. By the way, yeah, Joey's coming into the studio uh, answering all of uh, your classics in the field questions. So the idea is classic weeknight meals. Uh, James would like to hear what uh, – enjoyed hearing my story about what I do with bacalao when I need to do a quick meal. What are the go-to recipes we use for feeding the family when you've only got 10 to 40 minutes? Uh, thanks and congratulations on the new digs. What do you, what do you, what do you, back when, I, when, you, when I feed the family? Um, well, when you used to, you, you used to be every day you would leave, you'd be like, I got to get home. I have people in my house in 10 minutes. And yeah. then you'd go on the cook. I think so pasta. Yeah. Pasta's easiest. So this used to be like an ongoing thing. Nastasia would say, why don't you make pasta tonight? And I would say, I'm not making pasta oh, yeah, tonight. And Nastasia would say, why do you hate pasta? And yeah. I would say, I yeah. don't hate pasta. Yeah. I would do, I would do like sausage and broccoli, Rob. It was easiest. You like broccoli, Rob? Mm-hmm. You like the bitter? Or mm-hmm. do you blanch it first? I blanch it first. Yeah? In mm-hmm. water? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm. What about you, John? What about you? Do you blanch your broccoli, Rob? Uh, no. I just put it in the pan with some olive oil, a little water to steam it through, and some red pepper flakes and salt. Yeah. And do are other people like, eh, it's unpalatably bitter? A little bit, I guess. I don't know. I haven't cooked that for anyone in a really long time. That's yeah. how we used to do it at the Breslin. I was just like, if I can just get away with doing it this way, why would I blanch it? Well, because I think some some people are much more the, the broccoli raw is one of those interesting things where some people are much much more sensitive to it than others, and so like I can eat it just like you're doing it. In fact, I prefer it that way. But then there are people who just can't tolerate it uh, unless it's been water blanched first. You know, Joe, you have yeah. any feelings on that? Joe, you have any feelings on the broccoli raw? I love broccoli, Rob. I love anything bitter. Love radicchio and broccoli, Rob, together and double the bitterness. Mm. Any beverage is bitter. I just yeah. Love it. You love ever it. have the, you ever have the fancy freaking like uh, what's it called Treviso radicchio one where you like just lightly hit that some gun mm, it, radicchio like, on the grills. I, I was ruined. I think I've said this maybe even when, when I was here. I was ruined because in the seventies the radicchio was such garbage that I grew up hating it because everyone bought it, but it was just such low quality radicchio that like that's what I thought radicchio was. So it took me a long time to learn to appreciate it again. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, going to things that have the word broccoli in it. Here's another problem, I think. The broccolini, people buy this thing called broccolini, which looks a little bit like broccoli, Rob, but isn't. So they're like, oh, I like that. And then they buy the broccoli, Rob, and they make it the same way. And they, no, no, no. Uh, wait. So back to this. You guys also like a hot pepper on your broccoli, Rob, right? You can't have a broccoli, Rob, without a little bit of the hot mm-hmm. pepper flakes, right? right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. sad otherwise. All right. So. I'll tell you one of my fast things that is a complete mutilation of a Giuliano Bugiali, Giuliano Bugiali uh, recipe. And I told him about it once and he smacked me in the face. So uh, he does this recipe where he makes uh, what amounts to like a roux, like a bechamel. uh, But instead of he uses a stock instead of, you know, like a milk thing. So it's like roux and stock. Uh, I think he sautés some onion, not garlic. He gets real bent when you use garlic when you're not supposed to. Sautés the onion. Uh, with flour uh, and butter and then uh, stock and then uh, steamed asparagus and then put through a food mill because, of course, he puts it through a food mill. And then he gets all freaked out if you add anything different to it. So by the time I'm done with it, one of my fast things to do was I would just take a, a, a head of broccoli. I would cut off the, the very bottom. I'd cut the florets off and then take the stem if I had time to saute an onion, I would. Sometimes I would add garlic because I'm not a purist at all, obviously, because I'm not even using asparagus. I'm using broccoli. And then I would just throw stock 
like either canned or bullion or whatever in a pot, then throw in the big stocks, turn it up to a boil, then throw in the, uh, you know, a couple minutes later, throw in the florets so they don't get like super overcooked. And then literally in the blender, I would stick some cheese, some egg. I think I just do yolks or a mixture. Boom. And then uh, you don't need cream, but you can. It's kind of gilding the lily. And then you just, once it's done steaming, you blend the whole thing into a sauce with uh, pepper and you correct for salt. That stuff's delicious because it's super creamy. And if you if you want to make a real bechamel, you can, or you can just use eggs to thicken it like they do with some pasta sauces, which is a lot faster. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, that's one of my go-to fast Great. meals. Okay, keep going. You don't, you don't like, you don't like mm-hmm. it? Good on a creamy. I like. Do you like thin pastas, like creamy pastas? Not really. I think that sauce because it's so creamy is good on a thinner pasta, which which I kind of like. I don't. I see it as a different. You you like you don't like them at all, or sometimes you're okay with it. Ooh, uh, I'm okay with it. Rich McDonald. What do we say? Ooh about? Apparently, there's a super blood. Power Moon tonight, it said on on iTunes or something on your thing. What is a super blood power moon? The whole thing, but I guess I gotta go back to Connecticut. Why we don't have the moon here in New York? You don't see it like rise out of the water. Well, is that what it's gonna do? It's gonna Mm -hmm. rise out of the water. Sometimes the moon's out in the daytime, but this blood moon comes out of the water. That's how it works. I've seen where it is right now, and it's gonna. Tonight it will rise out of the water. Do you know that Booker is very good at remembering, like, whether it's waxing or waning by which side of the moon has the knot? The, yeah. Can you do that? I always forget which one. Which waning one's waxing, means which it's one's... going away, right? Yeah, Obviously. but I don't know which. I don't know which direction it goes. I can never remember. And then every time Booker's like, "Dad, you're an idiot," and I've told you this a million times, but it's just one of those pieces of information that I can't keep in my head. You know what I mean? Anyways. Uh, definitely, like, if you put me in the middle of the ocean at night, I'm dead. <laughs> like, I am not finding my way home. Nothing. You know I, I mean? think I'm good at that stuff. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. Please don't try. <laughs> also, like, like, I can't tread water. Like, if you put me in water and I try to tread, I corkscrew down. For some reason, like, the more I try to stay above the water, if I do nothing, I'm fine. I'm floating. Oh, my gosh. We have to do the class here. You, you have to do it. Remember, you said you would do it once with me. What? My class. Oh, Nastasia's anger class, which is a cl- like she needs help. No, it, generating it's rid anger of the anger. Uh, yes. That's uh. why you. So, and you said you'd do it once, and it's coming to Rock Center. So, well, at, I think you remember that if, like, if my internal, you know, my you internal anger subsides. It, do it. When did I say you said I was going to do? No, it. Dave, you promised me. What? Some bet we had, and then you have no. To this, you've yes. made this up. Okay. You're just well, trying to make matter. it seem like I'm going to be a Welcher. If, by the way, Joe, we're we're anti Welcher. Yeah. Yes, uh, he is. Just as he is, no. All right. Rich wrote in. Uh, Rich McDonough, uh, mood therapist. Um, question: I'm trying to make a sweet almond air, essentially homemade uh, orja diluted uh, with almond milk to top a drink. It needs to be light, or it gets too sweet. Worked fine the first time using soy lecithin and an aquarium bubbler, but the second time it wasn't anywhere near as stable. Tried a few variations and even added uh, half a percent of xanthan to help it hold. Uh, better but not great. Any suggestions? Needs to be foolproof for service. Well, I mean, the original Mugaritz, uh kind of airs, if you're actually trying to get those kind of bubbled airs, like with an aquarium, I'm not tr- exactly sure what texture you need in terms of light. Those aquarium bubble air things with the bubblers, 
Those things are usually done with uh, egg whites or, or with some other things. But if you want like stable, like almost like Guinness head, like uh, Sam Mason uh, back at WD-50 would be F-50, uh, methyl cell F-50, whip it up. And then every once in a while, maybe he would have to re-whip re re it during service. But like a little bit of xanthan with some methyl cell F-50. And that stuff holds like a demon. And he used to – I've actually – tested it but it's it's not it's light it's super light but it's it's dense and light does that make sense dense and light it's mm -hmm. like a, like a like a head of beer but let me know whether you're the the Mugaritz ones like i say egg whites or, or things like that with a bubbler but those are the giant bubbles with a lot of air and then if it wants more like not shaving cream dense but like guinness head dense try methacel f50 i've had better luck with it than i've had with versawit but i've never done it with almond milk um i used to do it with passion fruit that stuff was good mm -hmm. uh done it with uh orange Real good. Um, anyway, let me know. Uh, William Sabados wrote in, Hey, Cooking Issues crew, it's a pleasure uh, to help support you after years of entertaining content. Thanks. I've got a question about my newish Coon Recon pressure cooker. Somewhere along the way, I picked up the notion that Coon Recon made ventless pressure cookers. Well, I mean, I've said that for years. So, I mean, oh, yes. Anyway, so, by the way, all right, well, I'm going to read the question and then we'll get into it, right? I'm going to try to read the whole question. What do you think, Stas? Fine. We don't right. have a lot of time left. All right. Meaning if you control the temperature properly, you should never have to listen to the hiss of steam escaping the pot. However, my Kuhn Recon hisses all the time, even if I'm riding in the target pressure as indicated by the red lines between the valve stems. So on a Kuhn Recon, people, what happens is, is that as the pressure goes up, there's a, there's like a, 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 like a plug with a, with a shaft and it comes, rises out of the lid and there's first line is first ring, which is five PSI over pressure. And then it rises up and there's a second ring and that's the 15 PSI over pressure. And then you can actually make it go up even further and then it really starts uh, hissing. And that's how a Kuhn Recon works. That's why it's ventless as opposed to like the Fagors or other ones where they actually regulate by the only way you know it's at pressure is if it starts hissing. So you'll actually wait for it to hiss or the old what are called jiggler ones where there's like a little weight on top of a on top of a hole and when you hit the right pressure it goes and it makes a jiggle and it jiggles back and forth and they're called jigglers. Uh, so okay, so that's that's what we're talking about. Uh, I suspect that the hissing is because there are three silicon nubs on the bottom of the silicone seal on the inside of the lid. Uh, was I misinformed about the magical ventless properties of the Kuhn Recon? Everything seems to work properly, and I use the pot all the time. However, when I hear the hiss, I can't help but dream of a hissless pressure cooking experience. Thank Bill. Uh, thanks, Bill, in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Okay, Bill, here's the issue. So uh, open your pressure cooker and look underneath it, okay? There, the Kuhn Recon has uh, three or four different... I, I, Whoa, I can hear myself in a barrel. Uh, safety safety mechanisms. So one is the actual uh, seal itself, the silicone seal on the outside, the big one, the ring. Make sure that thing's clean all the time. It's going to be a world of hurt if it isn't. You'll notice that in your lid there are little slots cut out. That's a safety mechanism because if it ever goes super over pressure, the uh, seal will extrude itself out and vent down the sides, right? So that's safety number one. Uh, well, no, that's one of the safeties. The actual steam, um, the pressure thing that with the rings on it, if that goes too high, it will vent. That's actually safety number one, right? Now, that one shouldn't make noise. If it does, it's leaking. You can try to tighten it uh, a little bit. You could take the little silver plate the hat off the top and Ooh. tighten that a little bit. Now, uh, also, you need to make sure that uh, you tighten from the inside the, the spring mechanism. It's all good. But where you're leaking is a little thing there. It's got... Uh, it's blue, as you say, silicone, and it kind of rattles back and forth a little bit. 
And what that thing does is it prevents uh, a, a vacuum from going one way, but it also is meant to leak a little bit as it comes up to temperature so that it's venting out uh, the product. And then only after you reach a certain pressure is it supposed to steal and be quiet. So what you'll hear is you'll hear if it's working properly, you'll hear and then it'll turn off. What you're getting is, is you must have gotten some grit or dirt underneath that blue silicone thing, uh, or it's gotten hard from uh, age, and you can uh, replace it, right, or clean it. Now, here's what you should never do. I'm going to tell you this. Never do this, okay? Uh, Piper, Nastasi, and I were chilling at the Eldridge Street Lab back when we had the Eldridge Street Lab. The Kuhn Recon was making a little bit of noise. So I walked up to it, to that little thing that you're talking about from the top, and just took a spoon and was like, clack, 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 to try to seed it to get it from stopping making the noise. And I hit it so hard that I punched it through the lid. It went into the lid, and then my 15 PSI of stock started shooting straight out of the pot, straight up into the air. It flew, it hit our 10-foot ceilings and then geysered and versied its way all over the thing while we were running around like, 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 like slaughtering, like chickens to the slaughter, getting coated with burning, greasy stock. You remember this, does? Poor Piper. Good times, though. Good times. Anyway. Okay, one more question. All Two right. minutes, go. Nicholas uh, Skuvitz wrote in, Hey, folks, really glad you're doing Patreon thing. It's great. Uh, it's a great idea. Two questions for the show. Sorry. She might cut you off. Yeah, I don't no, know. He gets First one. one is about bread. Sorry gets again. One. Gets one. Uh, what are the important qualities to look for when evaluating uh, wheat for milling uh, and final purpose? Protein content is definitely one, but gluten as well. How is gluten content and quality reported, and do you have any good resources for finding out these values? I have Adam Leonti's book, but living here in Australia, I don't have any access to the varieties he mentions. I have other interesting varieties, but now I've failed at making flour, water, pasta... Oh, don't get started, Stas. I failed at making flour, water, pasta twice, and I suspect it's because the protein and the gluten content of my wheat isn't where I think it is, but I have no real way of telling. Uh, and so, and also, because what's... How do you source something that's a hard ingredient? I'm thinking things like... Well, I can't get into the sourcing of Neonata because she's going to kill me, but... Also, we've answered that before. But to your question, what? For whole wheat, whole grain Durham, uh, apparently they grow a lot of it in Australia, but he can't get a hold of it. All right, here's the problem when you're when you're milling. First of all, for pasta, everything people tell you about protein is – it's not that it's wrong. It's misleading, right? They're, the hardness of the wheat is going to determine its milling properties. But wheats can be very hard and not necessarily have uh, that much gluten. They usually go hand in hand, but not always because the actual uh, proteins that are making the wheat hard, which is what the important thing in milling is, are different from the gluten proteins. Also, you can have a lot of gluten proteins, but the glutens are different. So really what you're worried about when you're milling and the reason you haven't had any good luck is because you have a lot of damaged starch. So when you're making pasta, uh, what you need is to make semolina. Semolina does not have any fines in it. And durum is very hard, so it shatters into these particles. They get rid of the fines, and the semolina, because it has no fines, does not have that much damaged starch. If you have too much damaged starch in uh, a flour that's meant for pasta, when you, starch absorbs almost no water. This is why if you take uh, cornstarch and water, right, it gets soupy very, very quickly. If you were to take corn flour and add the same amount of water, it would make a very stiff dough because damaged starch from milling uh, 
absorbs 10 times as much water as undamaged starch does. Also, if you're drying pasta, right, damaged starch uh, enzymes will activate it and it'll darken. So if you try to make your own pasta and it's not a nice bright yellow, it's because you have too much damaged starch and the amylase enzymes were reacting with it as it, as it, as it dried out. Now, uh, so first thing you're going to want to do is if you're trying to mill your own is you're going to try, try to get a hold of some uh, durum, some durum because durum is not only very hard, so it makes a good semolina, but also it has a lot of gluten, uh, gluten's in it that allow for it to have that nice hard texture after it's done. However, the glutens that are in durum are very, um, they're not elastic. They don't snap back, right? So they allow you to stretch out. They give good stretch, but they're not super elastic, so it doesn't snap back. So it's very hard to make decent water pasta with regular flour just because, one, you have a lot of damaged starch, so you're adding too much water to it to get the right consistency of dough. Uh, two, the glutens in those things tend to snap back, and so they don't react well necessarily for the kind of pasta that you would normally think of for uh, water pasta. So you have to think about uh, your particle size, you're going to have to change up how you sift things. Think about damaged starch. Damaged starch is the unsung uh, thing that's going on with a lot of different uh, flours, regardless of the gluten content. So we could talk more about this later. And uh, I was going to talk, but Nastasia says I don't have time. I got a new French fry recipe for you guys that I developed for the French fry. And John, when are we doing the French fry uh, premiere? You're doing that June 11th, I believe. All right, so on June 11th, I'm doing the uh, Fry's uh, premiere that we, they recorded before the pandemic. It's got Harold McGee uh, doing some like crazy. Well, kind of. He's like uh, he's on like a, a floating French fry thing on a on a pool of oil, and then he's discussing the science. He uses the word parallel a pie pad. Can we say that I have to be in LA in September? Can we say that maybe we'll do something in September in LA? See you in September. We're going to do some L.A. September Let's stuff? Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. I don't care. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're also going to be re- like pro- maybe, I guess, releasing a product that maybe we can dovetail. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can dovetail the, mm-hmm. by the way, everyone always asks when we're going to announce the new product that's not the one that we always have. And it's probably September, mm-hmm. right? September in yes, that range. Yes, we are hoping to stay on schedule. All right. So I didn't get a chance to tell you about French fries or salmon temperatures, but maybe we next time. We have a special guest next week, too. Surprise Am I guest. not allowed to know who it is? You do know who it is. Yeah. What? Oh, in studio? in studio? Oh, we have a special surprise guest and longtime listeners will know who it is next week on Cooking Issues. <laughs>